Welcome to the Evolution Exchange NHS podcast. Here at Evolution Recruitment NHS, we are committed to helping people and NHS organisations realise their potential. Our goal is to build trust and develop deep relationships with individuals to make doing business easier. We collaborate with NHS organisations to help them build high-performing digital teams. We achieve this by creating and sharing insights into the ever-evolving NHS digital industry's best practices. I'm Katia and I am your host. And just to clarify, the views expressed by guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect the official position or policy of their organisation. So welcome to the Evolution Exchange NHS podcast, everyone. And thank you for joining me today to discuss female leadership. I think before we get into the podcast itself, let's go around and have some introductions. So Pam, can you introduce yourself, please? Yeah, so hi everyone. I'm Pam Pahal. I work at the Midlands Partnership Foundation Foundation Trust as the lead ICS and PCN Digital Transformation Programme Lead. I've been in this role for just over a year now. Nice to meet you all. Amazing, thank you. Heidi, can you go next, please? Hi, I'm Heidi Paul, Deputy Director of IMT here at UHM. I've worked at the Trust for 25 years, will be in January, and worked in IMT now for nine years. Um, progressed and in, in, been in this role um, specifically for four years. Thank you. Thank you. Lorraine? Hi, I'm Lorraine Lang. I'm the um, Programme Manager for the EPR um, programme at uh, George Eliot and South Warwickshire. Uh, God. Sorry. <laughs> and um, yeah, so I've been in this role, how long have been in this role now? About three years now. Um, and we still haven't got an EPR, but we're getting there. Baby steps, baby steps. Yeah. And Sarah? Hi, everyone. Sarah Mills. I'm Associate Director of Strategic Operations and Innovation, also supporting George Elliott and South Warwickshire. Um, I'm employed by Innovate Healthcare Services. Um, and oh, I've probably got about 20 years of NHS experience, but a little bit sandwiched in between. I did a little bit of private sector work as well. So I've seen, seen the world on both sides. Amazing. Thank you. And obviously all female leaders, which helps for the topic. Um, so I think now we're all introduced, let's get into some of the questions. Lorraine, you've done a podcast with us before, so I'm going to pick on you first, if that's OK. <laughs> or Sarah. Um, OK. Well, go on, Lorraine. Go on, you got this. So do you want to ask your question to the rest of the group? Give us a bit of context as to why you've chosen this question. Yeah, so my, my question firstly is, as a woman, how do you combat fear and stand your ground regardless of com of um, consequence? I think sometimes in leadership, women, we can feel intimidated by men and also other women. Um, and it's about how, how do we how do we approach that? How do we get over that and sort of not not be quiet in the environment? Because sometimes we can, we've got a lot to say and a lot of good stuff to say, but we don't because of that fear factor. Mm. Okay, perfect. Thank you. Heidi, do you mind if I come to you? No, not at all. Um, in terms of fear, I suppose sometimes it's it's that knowing how you feel, isn't it? And whether you feel fear in the moment of, mm. of feeling that you're confident enough to to say something or the ability to say something within that crowd or whether it's speaking out loud or um emailing or raising concerns or or for the the consequence i suppose it's picking up those two bits isn't it there's a bit about the feeling and the impact of that that, that consequence to raising that and i think for me is it's how to tackle some of that in 
more of a curiosity manner. So mm-hmm. ask and cure, be curious to um, to actually then how do you engage with somebody? So showing curiosity versus then trying to fact find in terms of understanding what problems are. So then you can actually present a curious question and then actually then go, well, this is why I want to ask this question because this is how it's making me feel. And some of that is the, is the um, how it makes me feel because people can't take away from me how it makes me feel. Mm-hmm. But they can understand then the consequences or the impact things are having to me. But then you've yeah. got something, it's how to lead that then in terms of the scenario, or the situation that you can kind of like, you can be curious, you can, actually, I'm not quite confident in asking this question or actually putting this point across, lead into it. Yeah. Um, it, it's quite difficult because often in the world that we're in, our experts are our peers, aren't they? It's not us often and and that's the bit where sometimes it's the fear of the consequence of whether we're challenging somebody else because they're the expert and should we be Mm. Um, versus actually our experience tells us or our gut feeling can tell us it doesn't it doesn't feel right and again Mm. you're challenging experts in their field and you don't necessarily want to challenge and confront them on a professional level Mm. but but there's there's an element of there's something that needs to be said and needs to be done yeah yeah well you got sometimes amazing thank you Pam do you mind if I come to you yeah of course I think for me personally this has probably been something that's grown over time so when I was in more junior positions and I was starting my leadership journey I would sometimes find it really difficult to find my voice and actually stand up and sort of say what I think just out of the fear of looking like I don't know what I'm on about or whether the, what the consequences would be because of that. But as time has gone on and as I've sort of like developed um, into like more senior positions, I kind of found my confidence and I found my voice. And I think a lot of that has has to do with like other female leaders and sort of seeing them as mentors and seeing them as sort of people that I can look up to and even male leaders right that kind of challenge things when they're not right and I think as I found my voice and I put myself in that position of I don't challenge and actually there is a there is a chance that it might not be the right thing that I'm asking then how are other people who are not confident going to ask these questions and actually challenge so actually quite enjoy being challenged myself because I think that's what makes a great team it makes a great leader where you are in a safe space and you can challenge things without the the fear of sort of having something come back at you or not being listened to and I feel like the culture that we have at MPFT and under the leadership like of um, of my boss Martin Perry I found that it's it's a really safe space and I think by having these leaders that are real good visible sort of like people that kind of enable you to talk up it combats that fear and not just for me but the junior staff and you then feel that you can speak up and speak your mind and say well actually what about if we do it this way? And that's how you can really improve the culture, but also improve like what you deliver as a team together. I think that's really interesting. I think sometimes it's like a, a muscle that you have to exercise. It's something you have to work mm-hmm. on, especially when that's not your natural way mm-hmm. um, and having a support system around you, which makes you feel as though you're able to display that kind of confidence, I think is a really positive thing. So it's, yeah, thank you for that, Pam. 
Um, Sarah? Yeah, it's such a, an, an interesting subject. And I have given quite a bit of thought to this that I, I think that sort of my instinct is quite often to sort of feel this fearful response. Mm. Maybe it's, I don't know, I'm presenting to a, a, a big group of people on a subject that, you know, is, is new to me. or So I, I have that fear response and I know that I sort of do my own little coaching in my in my own head of well you've done something like this before you know 15 minutes half an hour or an hour however long and it, you'll be the other side of it and you'll have learned something from it so I think that it's not that over time I feel the fear less it's that I can recognize it and I've perhaps just got techniques for, for handling that myself um I think that the regardless of consequence sort of standing your ground and, I, and I'm not sure that I do stand my ground irrespective of whatever the consequence might be. But I think that's about just sort of thinking, okay, what would the consequences be of me saying this in this particular context? Is there another place that I could say this where it would it would have a different effect or the outcome might be a more positive one? And I think that that just comes from having been in situations before and perhaps not overstep, but but taking a particular course of action and realizing actually I'm, if I'd done that differently then maybe I would have got a better outcome or maybe I would have come across mm. better um but yeah it's it's a constant thing it doesn't so my, my emotional response doesn't change but I think that I'm just perhaps becoming more aware of it and more able to to handle my own emotional responses mm. to situations that I find myself in yeah and sometimes that just comes with time and do we ever really get there I guess I think it's always a work in progress isn't it Amazing. Thank you. And Lorraine, obviously, we've come to everybody here um, mm. and I guess kind of answer your own question, really. What What are your thoughts? It's, it's an interesting one, really, because I've obviously taken on board what everybody else has said. But I think it is either probably more on, on Sarah's side in the sense mm. of it's being a self-aware, understanding um, the, the, the forum you're in and approaching it that way now you know some things you might suggest and you might be really passionate about but it it might just be the wrong time but i've sometimes can be in a one-to-one -one and your your challenge could be dismissed so it's not just about necessarily being in a meeting environment because we know as professionals you don't just go and blurt out in a meeting it's it's pretty staged isn't it so you, you've got to be careful what you're saying but what you want is to be your view to be valued and respected, whether it's right or wrong, you know, whether the business is going that route or not. Listen to me, because actually I'm valid. And that and that's the point, isn't it? It's about you being valid, is your opinion being valid, um, regardless of the route somebody else is going to take and having that comfort and confidence to say that, regardless of consequence. As I've said, I, I wouldn't go to a board meeting and particularly um, throw something out there because I said you have a script to a point because you're in a in a in a board meeting. But, you know, you just need to. So that that's my my view. But I think it is about understanding yourself, your emotions, your reactions and working with that accordingly. Now, that's sometimes difficult because you can be overwhelmed. And, you know, I can get overwhelmed, <laughs> you know, um, but it's it's learning. It's a constant learning, isn't it? And I think it having that support network, somebody you can sound off on and thinking, oh, what do you think of this? What do you think of that um, will help to strengthen you? So, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Um, someone's trying to call me. Pam? Can we come to you for your question, please? Of course. A bit of context yeah. as well. Thank you. Yeah. So my question is about um, what obstacles have you had to overcome as a woman 
in your leadership journey? Um, so this this question was because personally, I've I've had personal obstacles in like just the background that I've come from, which is um, of Indians. I'm an Indian Sikh, um, and I just wondered like what obstacles you may have come across um, in your journey in leadership as a woman, whether that be personal or whether that be any any sort of obstacles in the workplace to sort of get into the positions that you're in today. In today. Thank you. Heidi, my kids come to you. Yeah, of course. I think the one that first comes to mind is that kind of imposter syndrome of how how I perceive my uh, experience role being different to others and whether I see that because in an IT world, it's great to see this group, but often I see of the peers and um, doing meetings at certain levels and it's very male heavy structured within certain teams. We have some teams within our, our direction departments that aren't and then you see this op- opposite imbalanced and we have very few that are evenly balanced, but I feel sometimes that there, there just seems to be that um, I just feel like they have more. Ex- I, I'm giving them that power. I'm giving. I'm giving them that power by me suggesting I've got imposter syndrome, and they are there. They're there with some kind of intellect or knowledge more than me. Professionally, absolutely, people have got the expertise, and it's for me. It's one of those obstacles. Is about how can I integrate, meet with the teams to break down those barriers because it's my confidence that I need in those teams to understand. It's a bit like some of what we were talking about just for that fear, isn't it? Understanding subjects, understanding actually how I feel to understand how they they perceive other things and we work together as a on a peer level as colleagues versus me sitting there and feeling like, like we've just mentioned there, not feeling like I can have a voice. That's one of the main things for me. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Sarah? Yeah, I think I think I'm perhaps coming from a, a very similar angle um, as as Heidi, but probably not not quite as eloquently. I think I, I have been my biggest obstacle um, pro- professionally, just in not putting myself in positions or going for opportunities. It's that thing of looking at a job description or a person specification and thinking, well, I'm only half of that. So if I'm not the other half, then I shouldn't I shouldn't go for it. There's bound to be other people who, who match it more. And what, what what have I lost if I go for an opportunity and I don't get it? Surely I will have learned something. And I would say that to anybody else who had come to me and said something similar, but I don't, I haven't said it to, to myself. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think that I, I absolutely have sort of been guilty of not, I wouldn't go as far as saying self-sabotage um, because I'm very happy with with where I am and I've sort of taken a, a, a natural path to, to get here and hopefully, you know, I'll have some other twists and turns along the way and, and you know, equally fulfilling roles in the future. But yeah, it does sometimes make me wonder, well, what if I, what if I had gone for that, that thing? You know, what, what, what doors would that have opened for me? So yeah, I've, Perhaps been fortunate that I've not felt or certainly haven't been aware of any other obstacles beyond myself. But I am aware, looking back now, that there probably would have been different opportunities that I could have explored if only I hadn't got in my own way. Yeah. And it's just so difficult, isn't it? It's very easy to give advice and you know what the right thing to do is. But then to actually follow through and and do that yourself is a completely different thing. Totally different story. (laughs) Absolutely. I think everyone can relate to that. Um, Lorraine, can I come to you? I would agree. It goes back to you are your worst enemy. You know, um, 
you stop yourself through, you know, you, you have these things playing out in your brain. Well, I'm not good enough or, you know, they think this of me. I mean, you make it, most of it, you probably made up in your own head, to be quite frank. Oh, I'm rubbish at this. I'm rubbish at that. They won't. Well, why, why would I apply for it? Because they wouldn't give it me anyway. You know, and we just stop and we don't continue because we have given ourselves a narrative and believed it. Now, that's not to say that along the way you might have had dismissive views from others and negative vibes, but that doesn't mean that you continue to tell yourself that that story, yeah, because we need to go out and, and grab. So I think actually we are our own obstacles. There have been other things where people people can make assumptions about you and have a, their own narrative about you, which also then goes, plays into that story about you. You, you almost start to believe you believe their hype and it isn't even your own. And I think that can stop you from moving forward when you're absolutely, you know, you, you know, take all of that away. You're absolutely very much good enough to do anything you want to do. But, and again, this is another thing that goes back to being a woman because we've constantly, whatever walk of life, we're always sort of uh, not good enough as a parent, not good enough as a, as a daughter, not good enough as a, as a, as a partner, not good enough. It's always that nag, but mm-hmm. why, why, why do we believe that nonsense? But it's a, it's a journey again. It's a, it's a, it's a bit like the, the, the question previously about overcoming that fear and overcoming that, that it's a journey we have to go on and start almost have to sort of get the mirror up and say you are good enough mm. you can do this it takes time but you know it, it is it's huge but yeah I, I completely agree with everybody that's amazing I, thank you Pam do you want to perhaps share anything around what like what what is your response to your own question I guess yeah I think it's interesting hearing because I think we're all kind of like going off the back of imposter syndrome and working closely like um in the same ICB as Heidi I get that feeling of like being quite like being the only female leader but then seeing Heidi and Amy who's also like the lead actually without them even realizing it that for me is like it's nice to see them in the meeting I feel like really comforted um, and motivated like Amy is amazing and she's such a, an inspirational leader for us in the ICB and same with Heidi so I think that in itself is it's nice to see like other women and sort of learning from them and watching them I think for me personally I brought this question up because recently I did like um, a presentation in our team brief at work and it was on Black History Month and you know, my um, my line manager, Martin, had said, you know, is this something that you want to do? You don't have to do it. And I was really, really scared to do it. It was probably the most difficult, like, I'd put this fear in myself to tell my story. And I did tell my story. I told my story of, like, where I've, co- where I've come from, my background. I've come from, like, up in Yorkshire. And I told the story of when I was born, how my grandma was like, oh, no, it's, it's a girl. Like, girls in our culture are not celebrated. And it was quite personal. And it was just about like how I had obstacles that were there from birth, because like even having an education, my um, sort of like outlook in life was to get married and have kids and not have an education. But I sort of like broke those barriers and things have changed now. I've got the support of, of the networks that I need. But I told them like my leadership journey, where I'd come from, where what my background was, what obstacles I had to go through. And obviously having like real strong mentors that have helped support me and give me the confidence. And I do the same as like 
like looking at a JD and thinking, well, actually, I don't meet every single bit of it. So should I go for it? But I then said in this presentation, I just push myself. I go for it. I put myself forward. And after I did that presentation, I had so many other females from the digital team that like thanked me and said, thank you for telling our story. Like, and I think one of the motivating factors was I, I've been mentoring like other um, female leaders or female like junior members that come from ethnic minorities. And they said seeing you in this position means so much to us because it makes us see that it's possible for us. We've never seen it before. And I thought, oh, my God, I have a responsibility here. I have to use my voice because not just for them, but for my daughter as well, who's my motivation to see me and say, oh, actually, my mum can do it. Why can't I do it? So I think that that was my reason of asking that question, because you don't realise like us as female leaders, the impact that we have on other females that are starting their journey. Um, thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you. Brilliant. Um, yeah, that, that, sorry, that moved me that. I thought that was brilliant. <laughs> so I'm trying to get back on track. Um, Heidi, we'll come to you next. Thank you. Um, I suppose there's a theme here in terms of how we're feeling, which is great for us to actually share our personal experiences. But I wanted to ask of others, really, what role has emotional intelligence played in your leadership journey? Um, I think sometimes it's one of those things that we don't always, we can think about it in reflection, but do we think about it in the moment? And I, I, I suppose I, if after we've gone around to the group, I've probably got some examples to share about how I've used that. But it'd be good to hear others of how you might have thought about it and used, used it in the moment um, in terms of your leadership. Or even if you use it through reflection then to improve or to change the way that you, the, the way that you work. Perfect. Thank you. Sarah, we'll come to you first. Mm, I think... Well, my, my pers personal experience is that for me, it's it's something I have to, I've learned and I've had to practice and it's a, a muscle that I exercise. I think that it's something that I'm really, so I'm fortunate that I've managed quite a broad group of different teams and different um, managers of, of those teams. Um, so everyone's got different, different needs, different personal and pro professional needs. Um, so I'm there to support anybody through whatever personally or professionally that, that they need me for. Um, and I, I do find myself sort of thinking, OK, well, if, if someone comes to me with something that, that needs me to have that emotional response or put some thought into it from an emotional perspective, I always think, well, what would what would I hope for? But also, you know, through how well I know the people who who I work closely with, I, I sort of hope that I've at least got a, a, an initial response to, OK, this person said this. I know them well enough to know that this is probably what they will will need or want or hope for. But then it's it's a conversation as well. I think it isn't just about you've said this. I'm going to do that in response. But it, it has to be a, a sort of a, a conversation with you know, and, and may, maybe I, I don't get it right. So it's not that I've ever got the final answer to something, but I would hope that through the relationships I've built, that it's at least a start of a conversation and then we can we can get wherever we need to and I can be there as, as a support to help someone. Um, but yeah, I, I fully acknowledge that I'm, I would, you know, don't have all the answers immediately and there is a lot of reflection afterwards. So I do quite often spend time, you know, if, if I've been supporting someone through a, a, a difficult you know, situation work-wise or, or otherwise, um, it will quite often be something that comes back to me, you know, 
afterwards, maybe months later or years later, even where I'll think of it again and think, oh, maybe if I was in that situation again, I'd do something slightly different. And I just think it's it's a constant. Um, and yeah, it's something that I I always want to be better at. So I never feel like I've got it cracked, but I always want to to make sure that, you know, people feel comfortable coming and talking to me about things hopefully because they know that I will do my best to help and I think that's in it that's what I would want in in a, in a leader so I, I that that's sort of the, the the target I aim for as well to at least be approachable and open and then you know you have a com it's a constant conversation when you're in when you're managing teams of people I think it's just to, to keep that communication open as well yeah and having the right intent yeah perfect Lorraine can I come to you yeah sure um I suppose I always try and think, how would I want to be treated? You know, and I mean, I've had scenarios and I've had to deal with people in my past roles, which were hard, you know, say, for example, if you're putting somebody on performance or whether you're dealing with a personal issue with somebody, you know, how would you want them to approach you? Because these things are sensitive. Um, And I think it is utilising that, putting yourself in that space. That's how I would you do it. And I suppose, interestingly, that's probably why it hurts so much when people are so dismissive of you or you you can openly see that they're not, they're not even thinking about you in this situation. They're just boom, um, whatever they're saying and not caring of the consequences. But I think you have to step back and think, actually, how would they feel? Let me think about the approach. You know, you don't know everybody in, inside and out because some people are who they are work and home everywhere some people do put on a you know and that's fine to do that they're coming to work and so it's not easy to read people but I think just from the instance as I said how would you want to be approached and how would you want to be treated and you know there's been difficult situations but you kind of just have to try your best to 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 do it and get through it that way perfect thank you Pam I agree with everything that Lorraine and and Sarah have said so you know it is that you put yourself in that in um, the shoes um, and think about how you would like to be treated and I think as well for me personally it's probably my greatest strength is emotional um, intelligence Um, it's probably the key part of my leadership skills because that's the part where I'm really empathetic and you know like also very self-aware of like what I might say and the impact that might have on other people um and I don't know whether that has anything to do with just just who I am as a person or sometimes I think is it to do with like because I'm a qualified um pharmacist as well and one of the reasons why I wanted to be a pharmacist was because I wanted to help people um cared about people and I think it just comes very natural so there'll be other parts of like my leadership skills which aren't as natural but that one in particular as a as a woman and just as a as a but me as a person emotional intelligence is just a natural thing I do it just comes like for some people I think it does come naturally and for some people it doesn't but I do care about people I'll think about what I'm saying the impact and actually when they're telling their stories just putting myself in their shoes and you know seeing it from their perspective um but there are definitely other skills in leadership that I wouldn't feel that I have as strong as I do with in terms of like emotional intelligence thank you Pam Heidi, we'll come back to you for a bit of a summary as to what you were going to mention before. 
No, no, that it's really good to hear the insights of that, though, because actually there is that bit about you need your reflection. We talk about it being like a muscle, because actually then at what point do you become, do you feel strong in it? And I think um, Lorraine, just point, pick up on your point. You mentioned actually what you observe, so you often can see um, well, examples where it's not so strong. I won't mm. say that they're bad, but they're not so strong in their emotional intelligence, and you reflect on that to think actually, how might I have approached that situation, or you. You think to somebody that isn't necessarily as self-aware or um, emotionally aware of, of the environment and other circumstances to actually how you deal with those. And for me, it's one of the um, one of the things that I often pick up on is is that the circumstances of the environments and the individuals and actively listening in the moment. It's about listening and treating the others how you want to be in terms of that respect. And and I often think actually. You can see others. I'm thinking, no, we're not going to do that today. I know you want to know and listen to people today. You actually get to understand the person as well. You understand their strengths. You understand actually their priorities, maybe even how they behave in work or out of work. It builds up that character and that relationship for you both then because working collaboratively on so many different scales and so many different things that we have to do, whether it's projects or systems or issues and incidents, it's how then people respond in those moments. And you can't wait till that incident that happens to then realise who who needs more support than others. So it's trying to build up that kind of bridge, reflecting and active listening and learning of each other, not just the technical professional things. It's so complex. Mm, yes, yes. <laughs> but it's something that it's nice to hear, though, that we recognise that it's a skill and it's and people talk about it and people then become more aware of it. Mm. And I think it is to some it comes more natural and some have just got to learn. That's that's with anything, really, you know, um, but when we're dealing with with people, you know, we really need that that heart of understanding. And all, or if we don't, it's just come naturally seek to make it natural. You know, they say about just, repeated behaviour. Just a question on that, Paul. Like I've I've had like an ex experiences with, with people that it doesn't come natural and when they try to do it you can see that it's forced mm. so like I think it's a really like it, it's quite a it's a quite a unique thing because when people try mm. and I don't I, I don't know is it something that you can train because sometimes the people that do not have emotional intelligence mm. and try and do it it comes across so fake that it has the opposite effect it's an interesting it's, one, isn't it? Sorry. Yeah, and it's it, it's difficult because that's where I suppose some people's characteristics can be more task orientated than they can be about more um, team building, teamwork. You see, you'll see strengths and polar opposites, but some that want to actually develop into different roles. And it's how you coach them in that, mm. so that they can be self aware, so that they're resilient and don't have the fear factor and all the things that we've talked about today. Because you want to nurture them, you want them to grow, but you need to recognise actually it's. It's, it's in us all because we all, we all feel something, but do we know what we feel? And, and it's how you're curious and ask those questions and actually get people to recognise. And maybe it's through uh, mentoring or those conversations and people talking about how they're feeling. Then people start to think about and link the things together because it can be. Um, I've had examples with a couple of conversations where you're trying to talk to somebody about relationships that they've got with other people or other departments and you can see that they're just thinking, but I got the job done. But it's not just about getting the job done. No. <laughs> yeah, it's about but how you got the job done. Yes. Amazing. Thank you, everyone. So we have got our last question. Sarah, <laughs> would you like to ask your question and give us a bit of context? 
I would because I really, really need everybody's answers. Um, <laughs> so my, my question is about how how to find a balance or manage juggling the demands of personal life alongside um, professional life demands. Um, and I, I ask this as someone who is really struggling with it at the moment. Um, and yeah, I, I, I need all, all the ideas. I think it's something that is, you know, at different at different times of, of life, um, personally and professionally, the demands and the balance is, is slightly different. Um, and up until this this point, I've, you know, managed to find a bit of a, a, an equilibrium. Um, and at the minute, it feels like that's that it's, it's anything but. So I would love to know if anyone else has had that same experience, is going through it at the moment or has been through it. And, and any tips or techniques would be most welcome. I'm really looking forward to hearing these answers. <laughs> we wear so many hats, don't we? Um, OK, I will come to you, Pam you first if possible oh gosh I was hoping you were <laughs> going to come to me first <laughs> oh I don't do you know what I don't know like I genuinely don't have the answer for this and just like yourself Sarah I don't I just I'm still trying to figure it out like for me it's just I, I can never figure it out it's like I think it's again it's it's part of like how we talked about one of the first questions that was asked around like the expectations we put on ourselves and it's it's on us like we want to do it all I want to be an amazing mom an amazing wife an amazing work like you know do well in my career and you know it, I just feel that like it's the pressure that I put on myself like I want it all and I can't have it you can't have it all <laughs> it doesn't all it doesn't work like that you can't like so I think it is about sort of like for me kind of like pulling on my husband more and sort of having that balance so that there is balance and especially again from the background that I've come on come from Asian women do all the household so it's not even just you know my husband but it's the family culture and the family pressure of well why why are you not doing the housework and he's changing that perception for our family and for my daughter to see that dad is doing this and dad is actively helping and we are equal partners it's not different because of like the fact that I'm a woman and he's a man um so I think it is like definitely kind of like having that relationship with my husband and he is my absolute rock I don't know what I would do without him um because he does take on a lot of um a lot of the responsibilities in the home which enables me to be successful in my career and in my leadership journey and I think without that I don't think I could I could cope so he is absolutely like just amazing but I do struggle because I'll find myself just feeling guilty either feeling guilty that I'm not spending enough time with my daughter or feeling guilty that I haven't completed something at work but I try and make sure I organize my time so I use my diary and I've got a really great boss I know I keep talking about this um and I'm not just saying it so he listens to the podcast but <laughs> basically he does he tells me off he's like Pam what are you doing you shouldn't be working at this time and he really like reiterates the fact of have work-life balance it's really really important so I think for the first time I'm in this role and he really like pushes and makes me think that well you don't need to do that at this time it's not that important you it can wait kind of thing make sure you have that work-life balance and I, th I think the way that the world's working at the moment with all these teams meetings your back to back it's like make sure you don't just have meetings all day in your diary have time to do your work as well so I think that's been really helpful having a really good mentor and really good leadership that supports that at work but then also having that that um like 
support from a husband because I'm still figuring it out. <laughs> we'll never get a definitive answer for this question, I don't think, but it is interesting to hear um, the different takes on it. Heidi, can I come to you? Yeah, of course. That's really interesting to hear, Pam. Thank you. The, um, some key bits that I just wrote down was that kind of um, that teamwork, whether it be at work or at home, it's that teamwork and also managing expectations. Mm. So for me, I feel like I've got quite quite good resilience and it's, it's a bit like emotional intelligence. I've got quite good resilience. I can bounce back. But it's that ability to say no and manage expectations of actually it's urgent or it's important, but actually does it need to be done now and how much pressure am I putting on myself to do some of these things unnecessarily? And that's in both li- all lives, whether it be personal circumstances with the family, whether it's at work and actually just saying no. I'm okay just being at home this weekend. I'm not going anywhere. I've got a nice, nice Netflix on. And then I've got uh, aspects where I can say no at home or here, or, but I've actually got the busyness of I've got things to look forward to. So, so in a number of years ago where I didn't have that personal um, focus, um, highlights to go to, then I would find myself consumed by work working longer so actually now to be in the realms of having things to look forward to planning forward and planning those things in I've got things that I'm actually I'm doing personally that I'm going off and doing and I'm looking forward to I'm making sure I'm making time for those things and it's in even with work about like making sure you're planning your diary it's making sure I'm planning time for that so actually I've got that balance I can see actually I'm not disadvantaging anybody people can see what what's going on what what's being done and there's that visibility so anybody and everybody can say actually yes we're, we're doing this with Heidi in a couple of weeks with the family or we're doing this with holidays or we're doing this with work she's going to do that bit of work then and managing expectations <laughs> just to be fair because I can bounce back but, but I feel like at the minute I can go well I can say no I, I don't feel like I uh, come back to the first one about fear I can say no when I've actually been considerate of um, what I need to do and what I can do and realistic really so I kind of like put there about personal resilience expectations and teamwork really in, in any circumstance really it's just that support mechanism that you, that you need there to, to have that balance and always something to look forward to otherwise I will just carry on and do my emails tonight if there isn't a good TV show I can watch. <laughs> no, I, I really relate to that, Heidi. I think just setting the boundaries mm. um, and like you say, managing expectations. And then I guess something I probably will take away from that is actually setting time for myself and then not feeling guilty about doing that. Because I think sometimes when you do take your time for yourself and after you finished it, I think you come back to the re- realisation of, oh, that thing still needs to be done. And then you think, oh, could I have done it within that time? But I think from what you're saying, don't feel guilty about putting yourself first. I agree. Lorraine? Yes, so um, it's, it's an interesting one. Um, I think there's, there's lots of angles to take. First of all, I think you need to have understanding leadership. You need to be able to go to your, your leadership and say, you know, this is what's happening in my world. And you're going to have to understand it, it is what it is. You know, whatever the family circumstances are or friend circumstances, I'm not functioning right now. And this is the reason why. Often we don't have that with our leadership, okay, because they're not sympathetic. They're just, you, you're a workhorse. And I always go back to the point of sometimes, you know, if, if something happens to you tomorrow, they will replace you. And it's about prioritising your, your life and your family because it is really, really hard. But actually work is important, but life is more important. 
but you need to have that. You need to sort of get past that. Well, I need to please these people, please that. We've all been there. Yeah. I mean, I when I was bringing my son upon my own, you know, there were times I now sit there and regret thinking I should have been with my child. But I was so busy trying to, well, if I fail, he fails. I've got to go to work. Whatever the boss says, I've got to do it. It took me a long time. Now I'm like, okay, yes, I've got a professional position. But if something happens, I'm sorry, but that is my priority. And if they don't understand that, you need to really articulate that to them. Um, Work's not going to go away. There's people who can do your work. And as far as I'm concerned, as long as nobody's on a theatre bed and about to die, (laughs) got all got wrong, 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 you know, wrong drugs going in them, really. You know what? But it's a hard thing because you feel that obligation. It's it's easy to say, but it's a really long lesson to learn in yourself because you feel like you you have to set an example. You've got to be there. I'm not feeling well. I'm tired, but I'm going to be on that call anyway. You look like a ghost, but I'm going to be on that call. You know, it's 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 a really difficult one, isn't it? But I think for me, leadership above us they need to understand they need to and not just spout the the usual sort of 10 commandments of the nhs about how we care about people and how we you know we're work-life balance actually enact it absolutely enact it don't just talk it do it because you know most of us work really well and situations happen and there's got to be that point where they you know they're there and they sympathize with us and they're able to support us you know, it's, 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 it's difficult. Absolutely. I agree. Thank you, Lorraine. And Sarah, just to come back to you, just to round this up. Yeah, thanks thanks (laughs) everyone. I think you've all told me what I needed to to hear, um, which is not anything that I didn't already know, but maybe I hadn't been telling myself loud enough or I hadn't been listening to myself, which is that work is important, but it's not the only important thing. It's not the most important thing. And I've definitely been fortunate sort of through you know the, the last few few months have been quite quite tricky for me per- personally and I've had a lot of flexibility um which I've been really grateful for and I haven't had to sort of beg and plead for it it's been kind of I, I just need to do this and it's been yeah okay that's fine um and I think that b- because I am who I am I I kind of thought okay well I've taken a bit of time there now I'll, I'll pay it back and then some and then I've got a little bit in the bank for next time so I'm sort of my own worst enemy but it has made me feel okay with the fact that sometimes I'm not there when normally I would be um but then I catch up and then I'm sort of a bit more available at at, at other times and that's just going to continue and I'm going to have to get my head around that because I'm the only one that's that's giving myself a hard time about it nobody else Mm, is yeah um so yes thank you thank you for humoring my my question and for for giving me some some techniques and some just things as well to think about so next time i'm in that spiral of you know give us a call yeah i'll remember this and then i can snap myself back in and give myself a bit of a kick i think we're really hard on ourselves as women as well i've told you my dad gave you a little brief insight to my regrets even now as i say it i'm like "Ah, why did i make that choice but and equally, yeah, you're right. You do make up time, but sometimes you just need your own time. You just need to kick back and just think, you know what? That email can work. As I said, there's nobody on a, a theatre <laughs> in theatre, or nobody needing any any particular drugs. Nobody's going to 
going to die if you take five minutes. I, put it, I know it's easier said than done. <laughs> you know me. <laughs> it's easier said than done. But we just, again, it's that, that sort of constant, you know what, what's important here? Yeah. And also, if you have stuff in the tank, you're constantly drained, your tank will get drained. You will go yeah. into collapse mode and then you're not good. I remember Danny, Danny Roberts who used to work with, he said to me um, when I, I went through a period of not feeling very well, he said, you're no good to me dead. And I thought, and he said, no, no, you're not. Go and lie down. You're no good to me dead. Because he saw that you are empty. You need to just go and sort yourself out because you drain yourself and you've got nothing left because you're so busy trying to please everybody all of the time. Can't do it. Not true. I've taken a lot away from today. <laughs> a lot, a lot of things that I'm going to be thinking about on my drive home from Innovate. <laughs> um, I just want to say thank you so much to everyone. Is there any final points before we conclude? I think what everybody said is spot on. So thank you so much, everybody. And I would love to have you all on a podcast again soon. <laughs>